Good morning, ladies. Oh, thank you. That was nice. Well, it's nice to see you all. We're going to jump right in because we have a lot to cover, don't we? Um, let's pray first so that we can just come to the Lord this morning. Our great God and Father, we just praise your holy name. We worship you for you are good and you are sovereign. Would you quiet our hearts this morning, wherever we came from this morning, and what was in our homes, in our cars, on the road. Father, would you quiet our hearts? You have a word to speak to us from your word. Would you please keep our ears and our hearts open to what that would be? In Jesus' name, amen. So, we covered a lot of ground this week, didn't we? <laughs> Boy, um, from the united, from a united kingdom to a divided kingdom to a fall into captivity to return, we are all we're all covered. The Old Testament, we are all done. Wow. I just wanted to um, just cover just some main points, really. The big umbrella, right? We didn't you want to? I was as I was studying this. This week, I just wanted to stop in Psalms. Oh, I love that book, don't you? As you read through it, and it just comforts our soul and helps us to bring praise and worship to God. And, and I just think, oh, I just want to sit here. But nope, we've got to move on. We've got to find out what's going on with, with the people of Israel and Judah and how that all works together. So our, our historical books... Our historical books generally tell us, Joshua to Esther, tell us about the united kingdom and the divided kingdom, right? Uh, maybe a helpful tool for you. I had trouble remembering, and maybe you don't, but I did. What was the northern kingdom? And what was the southern kingdom? And how did, who was who? Did you, did you ever get that confused and to remember Israel and Judah where? Well, here's my little tip for that. So just like the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, Israel is in the north, first, top. Judah is in the south, in, so just your alphabet. And Jerusalem is with Judah, because I always, I always thought, okay, the, I know Jerusalem's still like, so important, but is it in Judah or it's, it's Israel? Because, you know, we're studying that. The J's stay together. Judah and Jerusalem. So I, J, Southern, and here's this little tidbit too. The I's, they were captured by the Assyrians. That's the A. The Southern Kingdom by, the, by Babylon. That's the B in the alphabet, top to bottom. See how that works? Yes, so I'm hoping, maybe you didn't need that, maybe it was just right in your mind, but I just needed something a little more concrete so that when somebody said, oh, was Judah the southern or the northern kingdom, I could think, oh, I, J, southern, and Jerusalem's <laughs> with it, and they were captured by the ba Babylon, you know, and so that was just a little tip for me. I hope that's helpful for you to keep that a little bit straight. They stayed together, the J's stayed together. So after 70 years, the remnant returns, right? After the exile, after 70 years, the, and it, it, the return, if you will, comes in three parts. 
comes in three parts. It comes in that they are rebuilt. The first group comes to rebuild the temple. The second group comes to rebuild the city. And the third group comes to rebuild the wall around it all. So we start like from the middle, we go out, and then out a little further. So that's kind of how that, that was a helpful thing for me to do. Um, we have our books. I just wanted you to know, it, uh, from, you have your list of your historical books. And if you just wanted to make a little, a little notation, these are the books that cover the post, which means after the return are the books of, and maybe you put a little P or re, an R for return, or this is after they're back, out of exile. Those are the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are those five. And you have that on your note sheet. I mean, you have the books listed on your note sheet, and on there you can put a little whatever you want, return, an R for return next to these books. That might help keep it straight in your mind how these are, because they're not in the order in the Bible. Did you get that? Yeah. Sometimes that, that creates a little bit of our confusion, but if you can know that these five books are the books that are post-exile time. Yes, certainly. Ezra? Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are all the post-exile books. Now, even though a lot happens in those books that we, that we are going to, that we would cover, say, are the books of history, Joshua through Esther, so much happens in those books, but here's the thing. What are we looking for, ladies, as we study God's word, the whole big picture? We are looking for the character of God, right? Because God is the center of the whole thing. So we don't want to miss him while we get caught up in the battles and who's in the king and which kingdom is in the north and which kingdom. We don't want to lose him in all of that, as we're gaining knowledge. We see throughout the consistent character of God that we have seen from Genesis, and we'll see it all the way through. His sovereignty, that means he's in control of it all. May I just add, that is still true today. As we look around our world and our society and our US of A, it's a crazy time out there. We can feel swept away or very uncertain and very anxious. Is anyone in control? God is in control still, as he always was. We see his sovereignty throughout, his care for his people, 
In our books of history, we see God fulfilling his promises and his covenants. And we have a clear plan of God's instruction and desire for his people. This, too, is consistent. They knew it. We can see it. It is to love him, to worship him, to obey, seek, and follow him. And him alone. It's the big picture of our books of history. Our books of wisdom would be like our next little category. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And, and just a couple things that I would like to say about these books. First, I'm using this quote. Uh, this is a very helpful book that I, that I use when I'm studying and that is just helpful to give me insight. And it's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. I've given that to you on some other notes page, um, but here, the quote that he has here that I would just thought would be good for us. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in your life by applying God's truth to your life so that your choices are godly. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in your life. By applying God's truth to your life so that your choices are godly. Often we are tempted to read these books, the books of wisdom, in pieces. Just grabbing a verse here or a verse there. Because as we look in Proverbs, they're often little uh, snippets, if you will, right, of wisdom. But we, and also, and that can be the same as, as Psalms. They're, they're snippets. They're so much smaller than the narratives that we've come out of, right? But he, here's something that I just want to make sure we get, ladies. We don't want to be women of snippets. We want to know the context. We want to be women who know the context of what these verses are talking about. Because it's very dangerous to build our faith, our ideas, our thoughts, our life, on snippets that are taken out of context. We want to be women of the word who know where what the scripture is saying, the whole thing. That doesn't mean that there's not truth or wisdom or good advice for our life. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means that we know the whole context that it was given in so that we can discern, is this a promise of God? Is this a promise of God to his people of Israel and Judah? Was he talking to them directly? Is this a promise of God for all? 
Is this something that is ironclad or guaranteed? And the, and the Proverbs and the Psalms are not n narratives. They, they are in um, a poetic context. So it's, it's important for us to know what that context is so that we just don't distort it. Proverbs are not legal guarantees. They are teaching a general truth that if someone follows a path, generally these results are likely to follow. One of the quick ones that came to my mind, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now if we just take that, like, hold on to that as not a principle for our life, but we think, okay, in all, okay, I just need to know my check marks, I'm going to acknowledge him, I'm going to do A, B, C, and D, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to hold my tongue, I'm not going to be angry, I'm going to have this whole list, and then God is going to direct my path. So that means that whether it's on a billboard or my friend's going to come up and say, God told me you should buy the, the van, the minivan instead of the SUV or whatever it is. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, in all our ways, acknowledge him. In whatever we do, we do it for him and under his word and his truth according to his word and his truth. And he will direct our paths, not with a letter in the mail or an audible voice, but as we come to know him more, would he have us going to death? Would he have us gossip or, or be unkind or not show love or hold a grudge, carry bitterness in our heart? No. The more we know him, the more we are able to walk in his, walk in his ways and follow his direction. Does that make sense? Of how important it is to know the context. Psalms, huh, the praises and laments some of their, they turn our hearts and our eyes to him. We love to, to go there. They're a great place of comfort and of of a great reminder of how great our God is. Even in the midst of great sorrow and trial, they direct our eyes and our hearts back to him. So the minor prophets and the major prophets so we went there. So the minor prophets, I just am now we very clear, are the minor prophets less important than the major prophets? No, has nothing to do with it at all, right? They're just shorter. That's all, that's all, that's all. But here is what I just was um, excited to share with you just about the prophets. The prophets are God's mouthpiece. The prophet speaks for God. Kind of like, it made me think of, um, just like a flashlight. 
course, this is just so. Can you see the little light coming out? Okay. Can you imagine with me that it's like really big? This is the prophet. He's coming along and he's telling the people of Israel, of Judah, ladies, here's the thing. The prophet is not telling them anything that they don't know already. He is not coming up with new stuff, if you will. He is a spokesperson for the covenant of God. And he is reminding the people of the covenant. He is reminding them of the blessing and the curses or the destruction that will come if they don't follow the covenant. He's like a giant light on the covenant. And then he's shining that light to the people and saying, look at your life. Look at your life in comparison to God's covenant. He's lighting up the darkness. Is this a little, is that a little, it all, you get the idea. He's lighting up the darkness. They're bringing light to the covenant to bring them back to God. Because the people have wandered away. This is a, a, the universal theme there of the prophets. The big picture is that they are usually speaking about the immediate future of Israel and Judah or other nations surrounding. That's what they're most looking at. God announced the enforcement, either positive or negative, of his law through the prophets. So that when the events happen of blessing or cursing, it would be clearly understood by the people. Here is something I love that we can see about our great God, ladies. He's not hiding things. He's not up there saying, oh, try and figure out what would please me. How you can come to me, how we can be at peace together. He's clearly telling the people clearly telling them. And the prophets are there to identify the people's sin or to proclaim God's love for the people. A prediction of curse or blessing based on the circumstance. These prophets are from God. They are speaking God's words. They do not make this stuff up themselves. They don't say, oh, this is what's going to happen to the people and this, because they're thinking of it and they're thinking what they deserve or they don't or they're trying to figure out how the covenant works together and what should be done and what shouldn't. No, no. God is in charge. And he is speaking through the prophets to the people. To what? To call them back. 
call them back because they have wandered so far. To shine the light on how, look, you're going to idols, stone, wood, and you're praying to them and you're asking them to, to heal you and to save you and for blessing. It's nothing. Shining the light on it. There's nothing there. It has no power for you. Shining the light on their sin of walking away and going against God's laws. Because how can they be at peace with God if they're not walking with him? And each prophet kind of has his own personality that he brings to the table, just like you and I. The Lord uses you, do you know that? To convey his truth to your family, to your friends, to your relatives, to your work people, to your neighbors. What's your sphere of influence? Are you shining the light on God and his truth? And how is the, he is the only one who could save? And you will do it differently than the woman next to you. God has given all of us just a different, a different gift, a different <coughs> way that he moves through us. And that's the same with the prophets. And sometimes some of the crazy things that look like crazy things that they would do. But you know, um, we don't live in that time. We don't know necessarily the significance of what's going on or what's going on at a certain point in history that one of the prophets is speaking. That's, that's so helpful when we have a, if you use a commentary to give you that context. Oh, so this is really between the Assyrians and Israel. This is for that specific time. Oh, I see. Gives us a little bit more perspective and clarity. The prophets were there to urge the people to, to repent. The darkness always tries to hide from the light. Nobody likes to be exposed if they're involved in some dark things, right? And so I just wanted us to think about this. The people had the prophets there to come and to call them back to God. You and I have God's word. We have God's word with us every day. We have God's word that we can open in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, to know his word. And sometimes it might be easy to look at the people and to say, why weren't they listening to the prophet? The prophet is telling them everything they know about the covenant. How they're not supposed to worship idols. Why are they worshiping idols? That's so foolish. Why are they disobeying God? And maybe we need to shine this light on our own life. Because we're not different than them, really. We don't have a prophet that's dressed differently and 
running around doing some different things. We have God's word reminding us of what he wants from us. And are we different? Where we look for different idols, bring us comfort, security, and how often do you or I, maybe we stay away from the light. Because I know that if I read this, the Lord might shine the light upon my heart some areas where I'm wandering far from him. And his word is calling me back. Julie, come and repent. I'm shining the light on the darkness in your soul, in your life. Don't run. Don't run. Seek me. You will find me. Seek me. You will find me, he says. I love how he said in our verse in Jeremiah. This is one that can often be misquoted. But here's the truth of it. So this says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed in Babylon. So we know what that is, right? I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And I want you to know that when you see that now on a graduation card, it's usually just that verse. Now you know where it's from. And now you know it's referring to when the people are done with their captivity in Babylon. That's what God's talking about. And don't miss this part. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations. We know what happened, right? How they were put, is that making sense? Does that, is that exciting that you think, I know what that's about? I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. That's what that is about. But does that mean that this is not true for us, ladies, as God's word shines in our, in our hearts as we read that God does have plans of welfare and for not for calamity to give us a future and a hope. Is that a truth? He does have that for us. But what about the other part? When? When we call upon him and pray to him, he will listen. When we seek him, we will find him. When we search for him with all our hearts, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's the light that's shining. Will we follow that?
still, the theme is the same. God calling his people back to himself. He is the one who brings blessing. He is the one who brings such good things. Why do they run and resist? Why do we run and resist? Our major prophets, just so you know, the theme is the same. The only reason I divided them up just a little bit is because there were so many together. <clears throat> and we do see a little bit more. Actually, I don't know that we see more about Christ in the major prophets, but that we see bigger chunks about it might be a better way to, to put that. Like in Isaiah 53 that we got to study. I hope, I'm so excited for you to talk about that in your groups um, this morning because it's just such a beautiful foreshadowing of our great Savior that is to come. And look how long ago it was told. And God fulfills his promise that we see. We get to see that. The people at that time didn't get to see that. They didn't get to see that fulfilled, but they were waiting and looking for and anticipating the Messiah to come. All over this Old Testament that we have covered. Do you, do you realize that, maybe? You have gone through the whole Old Testament. The whole Old Testament. You have gone through. You have a vision. You have the umbrella of the whole Old Testament. How exciting is that? How exciting is this that we got to see God revealing himself in his word. And here's the part that I want us to take away of the whole thing is that our God has been, his character is consistent from Genesis to Malachi. He is consistent in his character of righteousness and holiness and wrath and judgment. He is consistent in his character of faithfulness, of great love, of drawing, of mercy, of compassion, of loving kindness. You have some verses that just give you a brief picture into each book. Go over them and write what, what character of God do you see in that? Because here's the thing, ladies. If you will notice that this whole Old Testament is so full, I just pray that this is the part that you have gotten out. It's so full of opportunities for us to come to know our great God. That, that if we just study them and, and read them and look for him in there, that we're just so full up of it. There's so much of it. 
And I just pray that we will be reminded over and over that what he is calling is, is that verse in Deuteronomy that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's a big umbrella theme verse of the whole Old Testament. He's calling his people, follow me, love me with your whole heart, your whole being. Do we do that today? Do we meditate on that today? Because that part of his character has not changed. He is calling us. He is calling you as we get to know him through his word. Let's be challenged that as we have finished the Old Testament, that it will bring us to worship our great God, to rejoice in the fact that the Old Testament points to the Savior, but today we are already rejoicing that he's here. He has come. We see the whole picture. God has kept his promise. He is faithful and true. So I ask you, let his word bring the light upon your life so that we may, as we know him more, come to love him with our whole heart and our mind and our soul and our strength. That's the consistent desire of our great God for his people, for his women, for you, and for me. Let's not miss that. And let's go out firm and secure and grounded in our faith. And let us step out in that faith, our faith in who our great God is and his character that we have seen displayed.